The Real Health Real Talk podcast is strictly for informational purposes only. Welcome to the Real Health Real Talk podcast. My name is Ebony May. In this podcast, we discuss how you can achieve real health. I share my own experiences and interview some pretty amazing people. Three years ago, I was stuck in a vicious cycle of hating my body, bad dieting and having nowhere to turn. There is no one-size-fits-all approach when it comes to health, so let's find what works for you. My passion and purpose in life is inspiring girls to feel good in and about their bodies. Now, if you're ready for some Real Talk, sit back and enjoy. Welcome to episode 14 of the Real Health Real Talk podcast. My name is Ebony May and this episode is an interview with Chiara Rossio. She is an exercise physiologist specializing in women's health. We talk about so many different things like how to work exercise around your period cycles, the importance of pelvic floor awareness, and in general, the benefits of exercise. And I found it super interesting. You can hear in Kiara's voice that she's just so passionate about what she does, and I absolutely love that. So without further ado, here is my interview with Kiara. Kiara, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Ebony. Can you please just start off by telling us a little bit about you, what you do, and how you got to be where you are? Sure. So I am a women's health exercise physiologist. I um, pretty much went straight from school into uni knowing I wanted to do something with health um, and I knew what I didn't want to do, but I wasn't sure exactly exactly what I wanted to do. So um, through subjects, through my own kind of Uh, learning and my own kind of interests led me to exercise physiology I didn't know much about it first until I started researching it myself and then um, I was having conversations with my mum about women's health and about kids health and how much information isn't out there Um, and I just saw I couldn't find anything I've never seen it before especially in exercise physiology so I thought why not start something myself so I just did a lot of my own research a lot of my own education because again that wasn't even out there um, for clinicians so um, yeah I just grew a passion for women's health from there um, and yeah have just loved it ever since so I graduated in 2017 so it's only been a year really since I finished uni but yeah have really really fallen into women's health fallen in love with it Awesome. That's so similar to me, I think, finding a sort of gap of what's out there and what you like you want to put out. So yeah, yeah that's so exciting. Congratulations on graduating. Thank you. Thank you. So, <laughs> in episode six, I chatted with Monica Yates. I don't know if you've heard of her. She's like a yes. she's all about periods. So we chatted all about the different um, phases of the menstrual cycle. One of the things that you specialize in is modifying exercise for each phase. So can you chat a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, as well, if you would have listened to the podcast with Monica and there's a lot of information going around now about um, menstrual cycle phases. So um, a lot of people don't actually know that tailoring specific exercise to each phase you're in um, can really optimise the benefits to hormones, to how you feel, to what you actually get out of exercise. So, um I will go through the kind of different phases and what is best just to give people kind of an idea. Um, So starting with the menstrual phase, which is like the bleeding, so days one to seven-ish, usually people start to feel a little bit more um, 
downtime a little bit more, uh, fatigued, like they just kind of want to sit at home a little bit more. Um, so this phase is usually best to just sync the exercise with um, recharging batteries is a good way to put it. So things like yoga, um, in saying that as well, being careful with different yoga poses um, with the flow of blood. Um, also Pilates, deep breathing, stretching really helps promote that kind of um, relaxation, getting the blood moving through the body so we don't get stagnant blood. Um, then we go through to the follicular phase. So that is just our, well, it starts from the day one of bleeding through to about day 13-ish. Um, energy levels start coming back up. So we start to show that, relate that with exercise too. So this time is great to spend time outdoors and try new ideas for exercise. So anything that you've always wanted to try, haven't been sure of, have been a little bit apprehensive about trying, um, this is probably the best phase to do it. Um, then we move on through to ovulation. Um, now this phase has a lot of hype about it because it is the best phase. So this is usually when we're more lively, energetic and playful. So this means that high intensity exercise usually feels good. It's usually the best time to chuck that in. Um, this will also be a good time to start like team sports and um, all more new exercises that you haven't tried before. Something a little bit more complex is also good to try in this phase because um, the way our brain is working is a lot better at dealing with new situations and problem solving, things like that. That's so interesting. And it is. It's really interesting. A lot of people, you know, it's not really out there at all. But, um, mm. yeah. And then the last phase, the luteal phase, so this is more when people start to experience that PMS. Um, it, this phase, you do have a little bit more energy just after the ovulation, but it starts to decline a little bit as you move through to the last kind of days of this phase. So this phase is actually really good for strength training um, and obviously listening to your body. So the first part of this phase is good for strength training and then as we move closer to the period, so the bleeding is more when we start to come back around and relax again, so more into the stretching, the Pilates, the slower movement, the walking, things like that. Yeah. I feel like you sort of subconsciously know because sometimes you do a really high intensity workout and you're like, oh yeah, I crushed it. And then you go to do the same one like a week later and you think, oh, I'm just not in the zone. It's so uh, interesting that like tracking your cycle and stuff like that, you can really, I don't know, do a favor for your body, like not, not push it to do things that it might not be wanting to do. Um, yeah, hundred percent. So let's talk a little bit about um, PCOS and endometriosis. I am fascinated by both these things just because I know so many people have it and I feel like it's one of those things that doctors think there's just one one fix for everything. Um, mm -hmm. So can you talk a little bit about how exercise can sort of help those um, conditions? Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, like you said, there's uh, these two things, endo and PCOS, should really have a multifaceted treatment plan. Um, and exercise physiology is, yeah, one that not many people think about. So the things with each of these endo and PCOS is um, 
certain exercise can target specific mechanisms in the disease. So if we start with endometriosis, um, a lot of the exercise is aimed at um, what, what we call pain bracing. So people with endo experience really painful periods, a lot of bloating as well. Um, where the lesions are, they tend to get a lot more tightness in the muscles, in the ligaments, in the joints, everything like that. So um, a really like the biggest aim for endo treatment with exercise is probably to loosen up and find where they're tight and how they pain brace, uh, also how they sleep when they're in pain and loosen up the tight, the tight places and start to strengthen where they may be weak or where the muscles are inactive, which can take off the pressure of the weaker muscles. Um, there's also specific... Uh, cardiovascular exercise that we do so with the cardiovascular exercise um, it actually has protective effects on inflammatory processes since it induces um, systemic levels of cytokines which are associated with anti-inflammatory properties so endo is a really inflammatory disease um, or condition uh, so that is probably um, the biggest the biggest thing that will really help endo sufferers. So um, as well as it actually, exercise actually helps the reduction in menstrual flow for heavy flows. Okay. So um, yeah, so the same hormones are secreted at a lower dose and ovarian stimulation and action of estrogen are can be altered not in a dangerous way, but in a very healthy way just to help with, the heaviness of the periods and the pain with the inflammation and things like that. So there's a lot we can actually do for endometriosis. I've seen I've seen really good results with some of my clients. That's great because I feel a lot of the time if you just go see a doctor, these are sort of more alternative sort of things. People aren't really going to say, oh, you should exercise. So I think it's really interesting learning um, different mechanisms for that as well. Um, yeah. As an extension yeah. of that, not directly related, but as a PT, something I'm very passionate about is um, public floor awareness. And one of the PTs I used to have when I, I started training with her when I was 18, and it was before I went to university, and she would always say, make sure you're, like, you're bracing your core, but also your, your pelvic floor. And I was like, oh, my God, like, it's fine. I'm not, like, I'm only 18. It's not a big issue. Yeah. But then I started learning about it, and I was like, oh, my goodness, everybody needs, not, e not even, like, just women, like, everyone needs to really be... Um, on alert about this and learn more about it. Can you talk a little about a little bit about pelvic floor? Yes, for sure. So I um, totally agree with you. Everyone, everyone should know about it. Not just women. Not just you know. A lot of people associate pelvic floor with you know after you've had a baby or elderly. Um, but yeah, totally agree. It is um, something that everyone should know about. The only thing with that is. Um, a lot of people are instructed like, yeah, like brace your core, turn your pelvic floor muscles on, squeeze your pelvic floor, do your Kegels. But that can actually have a reverse effect because not everyone knows how to do it properly. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the time you go through exercise classes and they'll say, yeah, brace your core, turn your pelvic floor muscles on. And you're kind of sitting there and you're like, oh, I don't really know if I'm doing it right. Like, 
am I am I squeezing too hard? Am I squeezing the wrong thing? Like, well, that's the thing. It, if somebody says put your hands in the air, like you can put your hands in the air, like that, like you can see that other yeah. people are doing that. Whereas, like, this is like an internal thing. So, yes, yes, and there is lots of, um, you know, it's a little bit. Some people find it awkward to talk about or to ask for help. And I think also some um, maybe people in the exercise industry also don't aren't confident with it or to talk to a patient or a client about. Mm-hmm. So it causes a confusion. Um, so yeah, like the pelvic floor is um, is actually it's not um, it's not complicated, but there is a lot of there's a lot of, is there's more to it than we think. So there's, you know, there's the muscles that everyone talks about, but then there's also the fascia, the ligaments, the nerves that also come into play that are really important. And, um, yeah, and there's, it, it goes differently with people who are going through pregnancy, people after pregnancy, um, girls of any age, young, like, you know, I, I've had friends who are my age at 22 going, oh, you know, you know I'm leaking when I'm laughing. And that's just normal to them, but it is, it, it's not normal. It's common, but it shouldn't be normal, um, which is, yeah, it's something that I'm really, really passionate about. And, um, yeah, it's, it's not known enough how to do it properly or where to seek the help or when you need help um, and how to safely exercise to help your pelvic floor or to take care of it. Um, you know, the different pressures in the abdomen, the different pressures when we're doing different movements are all really important to know. And it's very hard to know all of that unless you're getting help or have been professionally instructed. Because like I said before, like, you know, you don't know whether you're doing it right. It's it's very hard to know. And, um, you know, you can Google it, but Google can't really look at you and, and help you. You can't come out with hands and, and help you out. So... Yeah, it's um, it's a difficult thing, but hundred percent everyone should be aware of it. Um, yeah, always. So, if somebody's a little bit confused about it, who, where can they seek help, or what would be a good resource for them? So, good resources um, are probably to go if you're having a lot of issues with it to go to your GP um, and openly speak about it. So. I always say listen to your body and don't let anyone tell you that you are wrong because you know your body best. So if you feel like you're having issues with it, please go to your GP and um, they will refer you on to the best, either women's health physio um, or women's health exercise physiologist. So the difference between a physio and an exercise physiologist in pelvic floor world um, is a physio will do the internal examination, so they'll be able to identify with using a fingers which muscles need a little bit of help. And then um, a women's health exercise physiologist helps you incorporate those muscles into safe exercise and kind of identifying whether you're compensating in any places, helping you to um, complete your daily activities safely by using the pelvic floor, even um, relax, relaxing pelvic floor because a lot of people are actually um, overactive down there, which can cause painful sex or um, pelvic pain. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're the, probably the three best places would be your GP or gynae 
um, women's health physio or women's health exercise physiologist. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I definitely think that there needs to be some more information out there because when I was talking to my mm-hmm. trainer about it, I used to just sort of like brush it off and think it was something that like mm-hmm. was pretty much just for old women, but it really is for everyone. So I'm glad we got to touch on that. Can yeah. we talk a little bit more about exercise in general? Can you give us some yeah. tips on how to have a healthy relationship with exercise? Because I feel like everybody, everyone's different, but in some time in your life, I think it's hard to sort of find a, a good place with exercise. Sometimes it's hard to fit it in. Sometimes you just dread doing it. How, what are your tips on that? Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. That is a big thing that I find with a lot of people. Um, I think starting is the hardest thing. And mm-hmm. um, once you've started, it, everything from there is a little bit easier. So my tip for that, my tips for that is to start start slow and small. So literally just a walk, a walk around the block, a walk with your headphones, listening to like a podcast or a music, anything like that. It, it tunes you out. It makes time go a lot quicker. Um, choose a place that you like as well. So if you generally enjoy being at the beach or um, you like the botanic gardens or something like that, pick that place because it already puts you in a good mindset. Put your headphones in, listen to your favourite podcasts and just walk. Gentle, it doesn't have to be anything fast. You don't have to start, um, you know, panting. Just something, you know, easy that doesn't stress you out before you start doing it because I know that happens with a lot of people um, they start to stress or feel pressure bef- um, before they start exercising because they know they should, but they really don't want to. Mm-hmm. So um, that's a good place to start. Also, um, becoming aware of your body and how it feels is really a really, really good way to um, start a healthy relationship because if you take note of how you feel before, during and after exercise, it can it can create a better, um, yeah, better awareness of how good it is for you. The other thing with that, though, is try not to focus on the negatives. So um, the mind and body are really interconnected and they're very powerful together. So if you're putting a negative spin on exercise before you even start, it can, it can ruin, for lack of a better word, the whole experience. So if you put yourself in a positive mindset before you start and think about the reasons you're doing it for you, for your health, and then take note of how you feel during the exercise, you know, whether it, which is a good one, because whether it might be too hard, going back to the phases of the menstrual cycle, maybe, um, you know, picking an exercise to correlate with what phase you're in, because that'll already help you, put you in a better mood already, support your body. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after there's so much research to, to show after exercise, um, mood changes, um, you know, reductions in anxiety and depression and heightened in self-esteem and body image, all of that stuff. So really taking note of how you feel during and after and before is a really, really good way to do it. Keeping yourself in a positive mindset and be thankful that you can move your body. View it as a reward and as a blessing, not as a punishment because there are some people who don't have the abilities to do what you can do. So that is pro- they're probably the best ways to, to start having a healthy relationship with exercise and build on each of those um, as you see fit, I think. 
Yeah, I love that you said that because at the end of the day, like gratitude for being able to move your body because some, so many people can't. And I think that we're so quick to be like, oh, I don't want to have to do this. Or we get ashamed that we can't do something extravagant. Like people are like, oh, I might go for a walk around the block, but really they want to be doing like a 10K run or something. So then they're like, oh, I'm not going to bother. But if you don't yeah. start, yeah. you're never going to be able to, you know, just pump out a 10-kilometer run. Um, yeah, yeah. But just not being exactly. ashamed of starting, starting small and starting slow because that's the only way you can build it up really. Yeah, everyone started from somewhere. Those people that can run 10Ks had to start with a walk. So, yeah, there's no shame at all in moving your body. Mm -hmm. Love that. Okay, so I've got some quick cues for you. So what is your favourite exercise? Mm, My favourite exercise? My favourite exercise would probably be squats. I really love squats. I'm a weight girl. Yeah. Um, so personally, I love to use, um, yeah, weighted squats, my favorite. Mm-hmm. Nice. Do you have like, is that, will that change depending on which phase you're in or in general, yes. is that your favorite? In general, it's my favorite, but my, the weight I use or even the way in which I'm squatting, I do change it, um, depending on which phase I'm in, how I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay. So what would you say to somebody just starting out on their fitness journey? What I would say to someone is, um, like I said before, is just start and also tell someone you trust and someone you love and someone that isn't um, supportive of you that you are going to start. So then you have some accountability. You have someone to ask you how you're going with it so you're not by yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, and someone that also, you know, preferably does exercise or has a a positive view on exercise yeah. is probably a, a really good place. A really Accountability good thing to do. is so important. But also, like you said, yeah. finding somebody who, who values that as well. Because I think if you pick somebody to be accountable with and they're, they're not exercising themselves, that can sort of like lead to tall poppy syndrome and they can be like, why are you exercising? Like, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Um, yeah. But yeah, definitely accountability is huge. Um, this it doesn't is. have to be exercise related, but what is the best advice that you have ever gotten? The best advice that I've ever got, um, that would probably be, it would probably be from my dad to stay humble. So that, um, for me, goes in everything that I do. So it it means a lot to me in the way that um, staying humble, not thinking that you know everything. There's always more to learn. There's always someone to learn off of there's you know there's always more opportunity never get you know never get too proud to take opportunities or to step back and have someone else give you um recommendations or advice and things like that Uh, that would probably be my driving factor in a lot of work I do is to always keep learning and stay humble and um you know keep pushing keep pushing on yeah, that's awesome advice. I love asking people what the best advice they've received is because I think yeah. it's like it's just accumulative. I love that so much. With women and exercise, it is really important to, like I said before, listen to your body and know that there is help out there and make sure that you're going to someone that you trust with your health. And because I'm, I don't know if everyone's heard this before, but empowered women empower women. So once you 
empower your health and give yourself permission to put your health first and seek help, you then empower another woman to do the same and, you know, listen to your body, speak what you feel and stick with it and find someone that will listen to you and go with you and that has the education, that has the knowledge and understanding to support you through that and really, um, you know, endeavour to invest in, in you as much as you are in yourself. That's such good advice. I love that. I love seeing you talk about this because you're so passionate about it and I love when people are passionate about what they do. I am. (laughs) Thank you so, so much for chatting with us. Yeah, thank you so much, Ebony, for having me on. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast episode. If you liked this episode, feel free to go and leave me a podcast review. If you want to hear more from me, then pop over to Instagram and follow me at ebcoatsworth. Thank you so much for listening and until the next episode, I wish you happiness and real health.